welcome to the Cutaways Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Justine. This is our weekly show about romantic comedies through the ages. It certainly is. Yep. We're we're having a lot of fun, I would I would assume. <laughs> if you if you, if you've never listened, that's what you would assume and you should assume because we are having lots of fun. So yeah, we've been we've been watching a lot of romantic comedies, haven't we, Justine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But like now that through the, through this past year, like whenever a rom com comes out in theaters, I'm like, yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we started with a movie, a silent film from 1918, called "I Don't Want to Be a Man." Yeah, please go back, check it out. Yes, especially since we have, we are now like three episodes into season two. Yeah, <laughs> season two. I like how every week we're like season two. Gotta <laughs> get some. <laughs> It'll it'll take a couple episodes before it'll sink in that this is season two. This is year two of year this project. Two. It went by very fast the first year. Yeah. It was nice to go back and see like things that I never would have classified as a romantic comedy actually be cornerstones for the genre. Yeah. And how it was like respected and like Oscar worthy and, and all that stuff. Cause now, like growing up with with the early 2000s romantic comedies you don't think of it as like you think of it as like the throwaway genre unfortunately oh yeah for sure and it's not but with that said what are we watching today justine well we're still digging more into 1994 we're gonna be like a month in 1994 <laughs> i'm okay with that which is great because that's when like uh green day became you know big and famous Everybody I feel like we're going to get a Green Day song in this movie. <laughs> Sorry. We're still back we're still back when uh Billy Joel Armstrong was a bleach blonde fanatic. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> he bleached his hair lately. They got a new single coming out soon. I know. They said it like on Twitter it just says we're going to be dropping a new single like, you know, sometime soon. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know when. Just soon. Bang bang! Yeah, <laughs> um, we're watching 1994's Reality Bites. Yes, I'm very. I read the description for this movie last week when we were deciding on whether or not to add it, and I'm so excited about this movie. You're getting overhyped, Ashley. I know I'm getting overhyped, but I don't care. The description makes it sound so cool. Well, this description from DVD.com is a little different it's not as cool as the one you read on imdb okay let me read it to you okay in this irreverent romantic comedy a small circle of gen x friends suffering from post-collegiate blues must confront the hard truth about life love and the pursuit of gainful employment as they struggle to map out their futures i feel like i'm gonna like it i feel like i'm gonna connect with it it's about life man well it's about life and it's about like leaving college yeah and you know in the early 90s that was like not as scary as it is today because like there were jobs yeah what you got to say ben stilla yeah what, what do you gotta say now <laughs> This movie stars Winona Ryder, yes. who I've been watching in Stranger Things. Have you started that? No, not yet. It's We've got to finish Daredevil, and as soon as we finish Daredevil, we've been slow. Oh, oh, this movie also stars Ethan Hawke, who I would watch him in any rom-com, or just pretty much any movie. Anything. He's I nice to look at. Yeah, I like watching Ethan Hawke movies. He just had a new one come out, a romantic comedy, Maggie's Plan, which is already in my queue to watch. 
Sam really wants to see it. Um, and we got Ben Stiller, who also directed this movie. Mr. Zoolander himself. <laughs> was this one of the first ones that he directed? Yeah, he was doing the Ben Stiller show on TV at the yeah. time. So, like, he was, you know, doing the producing, directing your own projects sort of indie guy. I tend to like the movies that he directs. This movie is rated PG-13. It's an hour and 34 minutes, and it's rated three and a half stars on DVD.com. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are, you know, college age or whatever in the 90s who really resonate with this film. I'm, I'm intrigued. I hope to not be disappointed as I was last week. I was so disappointed last week. <laughs> I was super excited because I thought it was going to be a dark comedy. I thought there was going to be some interesting things like death at a funeral. I just was super excited about that and then fail. Those Brits. Damn, damn Brits. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited. Justine's lukewarm. I'm just, it's not that I'm lukewarm. It's I, d I don't want my heart broken. <laughs> I, I have a tendency to like the darkness of tragic comedy. I'm excited. Um, Steve Zahn's in it. Yes. I love him. <laughs> I had a, such a huge crush on him when I was a teenager. <laughs> He's so great in everything. I don't even know. I don't remember what it was that like prompted me to have a crush on him, but he is a beautiful human. Right. Beautiful soul. Let's, let's go watch. Yes. Yeah. Ashley, you'll never guess who has social distortion t-shirts. You do. Nope. I don't. Does your mom? My parents. Your parents. <laughs> <laughs> My parents are very big social distortion fans. Oh, that's awesome. I love social distortion. <laughs> yeah. This is what the curse of me is. I hear <laughs> songs like that. Like, I hear social distortion. I hear other songs. And I'm like, that's my parents. Yeah, you know... Do you yeah, get yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you have songs that I'm sure your parents like, and you're just like, oh, that's the songs my parents like. Uh, what's the, oh, Jagged Little Pill. My mother loved that song, and I was just like, Mom, please stop listening to this song. I get it. I get it now because, like, she was going through horrible shit with my father, but, like, dude, four times in a row is enough. <laughs> and I like Social D. It's just that and other songs. I, I feel like I'm cursed that my parents are cool. Yeah, you kind of are. Let's go back to the music. We're talking about music. This is an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. 90s soundtrack. Oh, man. It had the talking heads. It had Lisa Loeb. Ah. It had everything. The oversized jackets. Mm. The Gap. Mm. I, had the ga I just want to be like, Ashley, do you remember the Gap in the 90s? No. It was a thing. Oh, no. I know it was a thing. Like, I, I, I just don't. I never participated in the shopping of the Gap. Do you remember the Gap commercials? Yes. There were tons. <laughs> like when Taylor Swift came out with her Shake It Off music video, I was like, this is a Gap commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
they're they're they were kind of like the old navy commercials now mm-hmm. yes yes yeah yes <laughs> we watched reality bites from universal pictures ben stiller Ben Stiller, who still acts exactly the same. I was doing my Ben Stiller impression, which involves me holding my arms out to the side and somewhat acting like a marionette, dancing them up and down yeah. and going, I'm Ben Stiller. Oh, look at me. <laughs> Is this good? Am I Ben Stiller? Yes, you're Ben Stiller. You got you to gotta do the, the Zoolander face. There you go. The blue steel. Yeah. <laughs> You got it. You got it good. I was somewhat confused on what this movie wanted to be about. Because the first half of the movie is so disconnected from the last half of the movie. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I was more into the second half of the movie, which was like a movie. The first half was like a statement. Yeah, it was like an existential crisis. Yeah. Which I get it. You know, this is the the grunge slash anti-establishment era. Being against everything commercialized. White people being against everything commercialized. Let's preface that. (laughs) Yes. White, educated graduates from college. Yes. Never have had, like, true struggle in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Though their parents are divorced. Yeah. Lots of divorces. Divorced kids. It wasn't like Rent, I don't think. No, it wasn't. It was kind of like Rent, and that these people knew each other and lived together and never paid their rent. <laughs> yeah. Rent, inca- like, I think rent, inca- like, encompasses the feel that this movie wants. Mm-hmm. But has more time to flesh out the characters. Whereas this... Similar love story issues. Yeah. With the musician who's flaky and then the guy who actually has a business and ideals (laughs) yeah has goals has like isn't necessarily he's emotionally aware Mm -hmm. mature mature i don't know if he was mature but he was emotionally aware of other people's feelings where i don't think troy was because this is really about a time and a place yes this is definitely i read an i read a review um uh from Wikipedia is from Time Magazine where it says that it's a movie that encompasses an era. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, it definitely was the 90s. Yeah. But not like fake 90s. No. There's a lot of fake 90s or even later on in the 90s. Or even like Clueless, which is like a 90s subset. Well, I mean, this was like Midwest meets City Light. Like they lived... They this, lived in Houston. They lived in Houston and... She li- rents out a house. Yeah. Which I don't know why they kept calling it an apartment because it was a house. Unless it was like... Just that one floor. One. Like a tenement. Yeah. They at least have a roof over their heads. They have job opportunities. It's not like today where there are no jobs. Yeah. I feel like... I'm going to get into this a lot. If we were allowed, if our generation, maybe my generation, your generation, somewhere in between... Well, you're Generation X, and I'm the beginning, the very, very edge of the millennial and Generation X. Yeah, I don't think I made the millennial cut, although people might think I do. I don't know. Well, it's like Sam. Sam considers himself a millennial, but he's technically not. He would he would be, again, the, the very cusp of the Generation X. Yeah. If we were to make a movie, I'm not sure 
in this day and age, we would be allowed to make a movie like this about like our problems of graduating into a recession. No, because we're technically always told how we are supposed to feel about that. Yeah. Like everyone wants to talk about how selfish millennials are how they don't have any work ethic because they had all these participation trophies and all but is that. it this generation is it gen x that's harping on the millennials no it's the baby boomer boomers my my dad was always he was in the middle of two mm-hmm. so it's like me and him we've always been in the weird like between generations my yeah. sister was perfectly gen x so she was in high school in the the 90s, the 90s yeah it's a weird place to be because everybody's telling you what your generation is supposed to act like or be like or have all of these stereotypes, I guess is the best word to go with, mm-hmm. or predispositions. And it gets to a point where it's just like, why are we trying to drag a generation down mm-hmm. for having problems that no other generation ever has, really? Yeah. Like, Gen Xers kind of have a little bit of it because... The 90s is kind of where all of our big major problems that led to the generation, or my generation has, they started in the 90s, even though, you know, our economy was doing great or whatever, but they set up for this huge. Yeah, the economy was definitely on the rise in the Clinton years, and then it went into the Bush years. I still think the the Gen Xers have it pretty, had it pretty cushy. Oh, no, they did. They they had and that's I think my biggest problem with the movie is she complained so much about having to like lower her standards on what job she was going to take. Mm-hmm. And it's like, stop. <laughs> like, be thankful that that's actually, you know, in existence. You probably are getting paid about what we are finally getting back to economy wise. Mm. I mean, they're predicting it's going to burst again or whatever and things are going to get worse. But uh, that, that that brings up a whole nother problem I have with like then and now. I'm like, oh, great. You have your group of artists. How wonderful for you. I'd like to have my group of artists. Yeah. And I do, but I don't get paid anything for it. Yeah. So, yay. Sorry, anger. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it's the whole discussion of how screwed up the middle like we have so much debt that we can't just have this little subgroup of artists because we we can't afford to just go off into new york and rent an apartment and just hang out like in rent like in we can't afford like we literally cannot afford it the the rise of cost of living in new york is higher than the minimum wage is for you to work in high school or through college to pay for said apartment or living expenses or even your college education. You can't do that all the time unless you get lucky. Yeah. Like I had to work three jobs through college and I still could barely afford rent or to even begin to pay off my student loans. Yeah. I'm having a similar artist existential crisis in my life right now. (laughs) And it's terrible for me. Like it's making me go crazy in my emotions because mm-hmm. I just I, I don't even know if I can explain like well there's just no stability like yeah. at least in the early 90s they had the stability of their parents even though they were divorced and maybe remarried or whatever their parents still had stability they could give the car away at gra- college graduation they could um, pay for a credit card bill mm-hmm. for for a portion of time for a year 
no, not so much today. Like we don't have that that yeah. ground footing. My mom only did that when I was a freshman in college. I know I'm I'm very privileged. They did not expect me to get a job. My first year in Chicago, my first year away from home at a school, they were just like, focus on school, get your groundings to the city. Here's money when you need it, mm-hmm. you know. But then after that, they were like, you want to stay there? You got to get a job. And that was the rules. And I did it. Yeah. They were getting money right out of graduating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like they their their whole college experience was comfortability. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to keep you sa- safe and everything. We're going to pay and make sure that you are able to focus on your school and you don't have to work through college. And that's a great like thing for you to do, but it also creates this, at least in my mind, it creates this thing of over expectating what the real world is going to be like. Yeah. And when I did get the jobs the next year, I got more opportunities. Mm -hmm. It makes sense to do it for a little, a short portion of time. For you to get comfortable. Yeah, and to understand the restriction and this is what it is. and Yeah, to set the boundary. Yeah. Whereas a lot of... And even it still happens today where there are no boundaries in parenthood. Where it becomes this, I'm going to be friends with my kid. Or um, I'm going to let somebody else be the parent. I'm going to do the nanny thing. And it again teaches weird privileges that you can't you can't even really recognize until you are an adult and you're forced to recognize that stuff about yourself so like whereas college should be this time for you to be forced to recognize that stuff yeah yeah i when i finally recognized it i did like almost died but that's a whole other story (laughs) you survived you're here you're wonderful and beautiful and you got in the union which is cool do it do it makes you happy i feel like the late 80s maybe the early 90s where employers were more they didn't try this whole low ball tactic on everything that part like hurts my soul yeah and so i i do feel it and i and i recognize it about myself where i just take what i can get i'm not gonna argue about it because i know that it's the difference between having a job and not having a job or doing something while I'm still looking for something better or sitting at home doing nothing, just waiting for the perfect job to land in my lap. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know how much there, how much control people have, especially in the industry where everybody's just fighting tooth and nail to be in the industry. Yeah. We got to mention that we're talking about this because in the movie, Lelena who's Winona Ryder, her job, well, she'd like to do. I don't know what she did in college, really. I'm assuming she's like some form of film student. She's a documentary. Maybe she was like an archaeology major or something. Something English major. I don't know. She's a documentarian. She's freelance documentarian and editor, Mm -hmm. filmmaker. So... (laughs) We've got, it's like, I'm like, that is what I am. Yes. <laughs> We've got some, some insight on this topic. Yes. I'm not someone who can work in reality TV. I know there are plenty of people that can and love it and have so much fun doing it. I'm just not one of them. It doesn't, it doesn't give me any type of satisfaction like working on a movie does. Even though it stresses me out to a degree that is just insane. I think I get that partially from how stressful reality TV Mm-hmm. is everybody in reality tv at least producer wise makes it seem like 
brain surgery, that you are performing the biggest brain surgery that will ever be performed. And you have to, if you fuck up, you fuck up huge. You murder someone. And that is something that I'm trying to get over, just soul repair on my end, because it's not that big of a deal. It's just a TV show. Yeah. It's just a movie. It's just... It's just a TV show about gardening. Yeah. It's just a TV show about gardening. But documentary is is pretty great. Especially right now. Oh, yeah. I've had a few documentary jobs. And there's some other stuff for free that I've done and I want to get back to. Um. So, so in this time... Um, in 1992, a little show <laughs> came on MTV called The Real World. Which started the soul-ending horribleness of television. Nobody likes reality TV. There are people... Why? Then why do, is there so much made? Why? Because it's cheap. But it doesn't make you any money back. But they don't lose money, do they? I don't know. It I'm... gets views because it's, it's, free, it's popcorn TV. Yeah. Well, it's starting. It it is going on d- the decline. Yeah. Um. People are realizing that they can make more money off of narrative stuff because you can have narrative stuff go viral. Like if you look at Stranger Things, it went viral, and Netflix is probably making so much money off of it because there's so much that they can do. Netflix for is that. a world on its own. Netflix is its own production and distribution company. Yes. Which is fantastic for them and it's what anybody has ever dreamed to be because usually you make something, you put your heart in it like we learned in this movie, mm-hmm. you hand it over to the distributor and they poo all over it. <laughs> Unless it's in your contract for them not to change anything, which most most creative contracts they for the distributor they can change the title, but they can't necessarily change the content. Yeah. Stranger Things was what turned down by like 50 networks or something. I don't know. It Bef- was it was an insane amount uh, like for how viral it went. It was it's just like Harry Potter. It's like as an insane amount of people rejected this yeah. idea. But I mean, Netflix also carries that popcorn TV, too. I mean, I feel like that's how they're they're making their money is the binge watching and they've got like the the gross shows but they can put that money back into producing the the great shows yeah the nice thing about it is is that 90 percent of scripted stuff like that is protected under a union contract so they can't do exactly what the reality world did unless you're sharknado <laughs> unless you're sh- well sharknado is a whole other discussion that i don't know how to start it's what people come to the podcast for the inside <laughs> story we're finally getting to something we know yeah <laughs> i don't think that people come for this i don't think that people come for sharknado or our discussion on yeah they come to listen to talk, uh, talk about movies when you turn on stranger things or master of none there's like one to two names that come up at the beginning created by these two people mm-hmm. and these two people probably have been fighting for this idea for five six years and there's never been a market for that kind of thing Mm -hmm. until now and that's what i think is really interesting about the whole streaming age you're not going to make a billion dollars off of those things but you do start to give back to art like actual the actual art form of film tv that makes it so great you give artists that have a story that they want to tell the chance to tell it Mm -hmm. and that's what i think is it's almost more important than the whole budgetary thing than people 
like if it's something that somebody like if it's something that I truly cared about yes hell yes I'm going to take a pay cut to do that I would love to do that I would love to be in the position that I could do that and that's what I think Netflix makes that possible that avenue possible and you see it with Hulu is starting to do that now Amazon is doing some really great things with just scripted stuff they're not even touching like the popcorn stuff like Netflix is but that's because they're Amazon and they can they own the world yes <laughs> they they actually own the service bow down yeah to your Amazon masters <laughs> yes. them and Google they own it all Actually, no, I think, doesn't Google sit on Amazon servers? Doesn't Google and Netflix sit on Amazon servers? I'm just, I don't want to talk about them. I'm too afraid. <laughs> we, pr- we sit on their servers. I know, <laughs> we sit on their servers. <laughs> Nothing bad to say here. <laughs> Innocent little birds. <laughs> I think had this movie specifically come out today, this would have been something that I think Netflix would have made. Yeah. It would have given our generation the chance to tell those stories. This this movie could not come out today. Not in the way that it is. Yeah. It would have it would have to have one the internet destroyed a lot of <laughs> these storylines. Um, That's what this movie I'm like I hate the internet so much <laughs> as we're on the internet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hello internet, we Hello. love you. But relation the way that we relate to the world has changed so much just because we don't have that stability Mm -hmm. we do not have those things to fall back on so it's like this weird we're watching it from a completely different perspective and like I said I felt like people younger than me would appreciate this movie more maybe or maybe so that's the thing. I don't know. I, I don't. Are you saying people outside of your generation generation, or just always like a 16-year-old continuously? Yeah, maybe somebody who's way younger than me who grew up in the generation that I see has the ability to get everything that they want. Like they don't. Today, everybody gets a cell phone. Everybody like to me, that's just like crazy. Because that means you're not working. You you don't need that cell phone. You don't need the laptop for your five-year-old. You don't need that. As great as those things are, we still need the physical connection. Which mm-hmm. is where I think they would appreciate this more. Because it's a lot harder for people who grow up without that physical. Do you think we're going to have a renaissance of people denying the internet and doing things with their hands, claiming we never got to do this. Isn't that what hipsters are? (laughs) (laughs) It goes back to the whole Einstein thing of when technology becomes a burden, when we start talking to it more than we talk to actual people. That's what our version of this movie would be about. It would be about how... Uh, We don't have these personal connections. We don't write letters to one another. Email is just a Mm. chore and spam. And we don't, we just associate people with their Facebook profiles, their social media, their apps. On one hand, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people can be a little bit more open about who they are on the internet because it, it gives them that. I guess, pseudo safetyness to, to not be afraid, but it also gives them the anonymity to be horrible. Yeah. But also though, I probably wouldn't have started watching stranger things if it wasn't for Facebook and people being like, Oh man, stranger things. Cause I saw it come up on my Netflix and I was like, eh. Yeah. 
and it's that's the that's the weird thing is we don't I think especially in the later generations there is no balance between the two whereas our our generation I think we can kind of recognize when we need to back away mm-hmm. from the internet we have that limitation where it doesn't need we don't need to be as uh, like addicted to it as possible we we do get addicted to it like yeah. our generation is definitely addicted to the internet and to technology in general yeah but we do have those like moments where it's like okay i just i can't anymore like this is this is either way too depressing or like i'm just zoning out and 5 hours have gone by and i need to stop yeah so so that's what i think our version of this movie would be about would be about being in that weird generation in between where bad things happened where we had we we experienced like the good happy things because we were at least me i was raised by late 80s 90s kids so (laughs) we had that that happy like this is how they learned from their parents on how to be quote-unquote stable but they necessarily weren't financially but they still wanted to give you everything so we learned that aspect of it but like when shit hit the fan, shit really hit the fan for our generation. Yeah. Like, I don't want to sound like mopey and like, oh, I'm a millennial and everybody doesn't love me or whatever. It's just like, let's stop. Let's one, let's stop dogging on the millennial generation. And let's like, let's give them a little bit of credit. Yeah. Because all almost like, what is it? Like 80% of the millennial generation, their parents are divorced or they've experienced divorce or just find like so, complete financial strain there's been more bankruptcies in our gener like for our parents in our generation there's just been a lot of shit that has happened yeah like going home from school turning on the news and then seeing columbine i I don't remember columbine as much as i remember 9-11 yeah for like a week we didn't do anything in class but talk about 9-11 and talk about terrorism and talk about yeah like all of that like that kind of stuff. And then graduating <laughs> into the recession and the housing market crash. Yeah. It's been good for us, huh? <laughs> I'm not going to say that it was like, I'm not so much angry about it as a lot of people are. We're dealing. I think I deal with it like in my own, because it's just, it's just what it is. Like we, we, I didn't cause it. I grew up in it. I don't like, I just grew up having to struggle. So I'm used to it. I expect it from life. Yeah, it's just, it's a very different world. And I think that's probably why some of this part, most of this movie annoyed me. Really? For them, this was, for them, they needed this. Yes. No, I I understood it, like, logically. I'm just like, uh, stop whining about. Times have changed. Yeah, like, stop whining about your band. Stop, like, at least you have a roof over your head and you're not living out of your car or, or, or something like that. It's just like. You're being slightly emotionally abusive, please stop. Because we've recognized what emotional abuse can do and how traumatizing it can be. And that was different. The 90s didn't recognize that all that much. And how emotionally cut off men can be and how that's not necessarily a good selling point. Right. (laughs) Which is not something that the 90s is known for. They're known for their grungy, uh, like, disconnected men. Yeah. But there's a part of the 90s that's in this that is something that I really like and really miss. The whole, like, riot girl movement. The whole just standing up and creating something that represents you. It just kind of really started because they had the first access to it. You Mm -hmm. know, like, Clerks was out at the same time. It was like that. 
Also, this reminds me a lot of one of my favorite movies, Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, it, I can definitely see. With the whole like commercialism. Yeah. And commercialism, just creating when you're something. you're a sellout yes. and, and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I really like, I like a lot of young adult books about bands and like, <laughs> so, so there's a part of this movie that I'm like, yes, this is a movie I would make. Mm-hmm. I don't. But like we've been saying, I don't think we could make it now. It's like first world problems, like to me. I feel like we've got a bit of optimist, pessimist thing. Happening. I'm definitely the pessimist of the podcast. So I will take that lead like to a certain degree that will probably shock you. But yeah, it's just for me, I'm just I'm like the world is not going to do you any favor. But if you do have that privilege to say something about it, you should say something. Mm-hmm. And so it's. For me, it's just like, uh, like, yeah, he stole your documentary and it's horrible. And I, I would feel shitty about that, too. But it's not like your, yeah. your material wasn't appropriated and your culture wasn't made fun of. <laughs> Those are the problems we have to deal with now as millennials. No. Um, <laughs> she is 23, though. Yes. And she thought she was going to be something. And that that I think that was when I was just like, oh, honey, no. I think I just verbally was just like, oh, don't do like, no, like, yeah, you're going to get to where you're going to go. And it doesn't matter when that happens, as long as you are willing to to take a stepping stone and not just believe that the world is going to be your oyster automatically right out of college, you're going to be fine. I can't I can't connect with her. I wish I could. I really want to because I feel like if I was just coming out of college, I would. Mm-hmm. Like I would understand her her kind of dilemma, but I would also kind of be like, "Why are you complaining? Like, take the job at the Gap when your friend offers it to you. That doesn't yeah. happen often." I was surprised about that. All right, we've talked for a really long time. Yes, we have. A lot of that was relevant. A lot of it wasn't. <laughs> I think it's good because because, like we said, this movie's about a time and a place, and it's a little time capsule. Mm-hmm. So we have to regard it as such, but also explain where we're coming from. Yeah. And especially, especially that it's about a filmmaker. Yes. A female filmmaker, which mm-hmm. isn't common. Yeah. I, I liked that a lot. Oh, no. I really liked that, too. Especially when she was interviewing. Yeah. Especially when she was, like, having to go through every interviewing, being told that she was overqualified and, and all that stuff. Like, I feel like a lot of people experience that, especially as women, because we try to, we have, we feel like we have to, and in some aspects we do have to be overqualified just to get the same job that a man who doesn't have the same qualifications have. So we do get turned down in certain aspects because of our need to, to work very hard. Yeah. Let's talk about this movie. Okay. We have our characters. We have Winona Ryder who plays Lelena. We have Ethan Hawke. Who is Troy? Troy. Troy. We have Janine Garofalo, who's Vicky. She was good. I really liked her. Yeah. I love the baby doll dresses and the Betty Page haircut. Mm-hmm. I've done both of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Steve Zahn, who plays Sammy. Who was awesome. I wish he was in it more. Yeah, he was in it for like a second. Yeah. Blink and you'll miss him. Yeah. That's what it felt like. And he did, it didn't give him a lot. Uh, to do at least maybe they cut out most of what he was supposed to do yeah he's one of those another character that's like i didn't write him down a lot because he's not essential to the plot at all yeah 
And it's not like, oh, are you really that necessary? But, like, he does set the tone for the 90s where people started coming out as homosexual and, and all that fun stuff. I feel like maybe if you replaced Janine Garofalo character with his character, but then you wouldn't pass the Bechdel test. Yeah, I think you need that one, that extra female. It, it, it definitely needed to be balanced in a way, especially since they added Ben Stiller's character. Yeah, supposedly. Ben Stiller plays Michael. 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 Okay, so that's all our characters, right? Um, throughout this movie, Winona is creating a documentary just like in Rent, although n- in Rent they talk about how it's Mark, right? Mm-hmm. Who is the documentarian. He talks about how he hides behind the camera and doesn't experience real life. If they had did that with this, it would have been something. It would have it would have put or made every moment with her much better. Yeah. Mean a little bit more. Yeah, because in Rent, it's like you're not experiencing the moment, you're documenting the moment. Yeah, and that takes you, like, then who who are you? Right, exactly. But she was also in front of the camera. Like, her friends, like, handed the camera around. Well, she she also seemed to, at least to some degree, know who she was. She was a strong She was the valedictorian. Yeah. yeah, she was a strong female presence. She was I guess. Daria Morgendorfer. <laughs> Yes. It's not like in Rent where Mark is not necessarily a very strong presence because of that. And then as the play progresses, he becomes, he realizes that it is important for him to also be a participant in life. Yes. That's again like why I'm saying like the movie doesn't really know what it wants to be. Like it's not really necessarily a romantic comedy It's in certain aspects. I think it's a typical first film from a, a filmmaker. It's Ben Stiller's first movie. Yeah. And considering the, the script went through like they said 70 different drafts before they even started to option it and then when she started to option it it went through like five or six more drafts with ben stiller Mm. yeah the message and a lot of i think things get a little bit muddled between all of that we open the movie with seeing her her graduation speech via document like via vhs Footage. I just keep wanting to call it handicam. It's not handicam though. It's not. It's like uh, high eight tapes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that she does tape to tape editing. Oh. I was so proud of myself for knowing what that was. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't done that since middle school. I just remember Dennis showing us what it was in college. He just dusts off the tape portion of the racks. He's like, this is a tape Tape deck. deck. This is how we used to edit. You would use the little flywheel and then the buttons, and that's how you'd set your in and out points. Yep. He's like, you'll never need to use it, but I should show you just in case you go on an interview somewhere. You want to impress him. Oh, machine room. Winona Ryder's a valedictorian for her college. She's giving a valedictorian speech, and it ends with, like, how can we repair all the damage we have inherited and create more damage? She kind of lost the end of her speech, and she just says, I don't know. That's that's her metaphor. (laughs) I think it's an interesting metaphor to start off a movie with about not knowing about life, Mm -hmm. especially in a generation where we have everything. Like we talked about with the the graduate, where we have the whole... This is like The Graduate. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> well, it, it takes themes that it wants to explore and does not fully flesh them out. That is what this movie kind of is, which is exactly like a first attempt at directing. 
is you don't necessarily know what the fuck you're doing or you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there. And so you don't, you want to do everything so you don't fully flesh things out. So that's a good, good comparison. Good. Good on you. Yeah. 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 Congratulations. Thank you. I accept my award for, for what, what do I get? You participated. Here's oh. your participation award. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to bring it back full circle. Again, it's such an important thing to know how to lose. If I'm going to compare other things, Inside Out compares it the best uh, in my mind about how you can take this very sad event about losing and, and being really upset about it, but it can then morph into an empowering thing where it can become, it's a sad memory, but it's also what you're going to use to work harder or to be better. Or closer or to people closer to people or it brings you closer together as like a team like in inside out where it was the hockey team Mm -hmm. brought her closer and that was she was very upset about losing that and that's an interesting kind of way of visually representing it to kids which i think is important kids need to know how to lose just so that they can they can get back on the horse because there's so much rejection in the world and you're not going to always be a kid yeah so to celebrate their graduation, this group of friends goes on a roof and is drinking and they're filming and they're talking, asking each other, what are you going to do after graduation? And we do learn at this point, Steve Zahn's character is gay and awesome. And the little cinnamon roll of goodness, goodness, beautiful sunshine. Yeah. Happy. He's always supportive of everybody. He does nothing wrong in the movie and he's like not in it at all. Yeah, he's like the best character in the movie, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, And then, okay, so after that, Winona has uh, dinner with her parents and step-parents, and Ethan Hawke, Troy is there. Because he's... At first, I thought they were boyfriend and girlfriend, but that's not the case. They're just really good friends. Best friends. Best friends. I also think he's probably mooching for food. Probably. Um, She's given the... BMW as a present, graduation present, and she's also given this gas credit card from her father who will pay it for a year for her. Mm-hmm. Important plot point. Very important plot point. Uh, they, we then see another scene where Troy is leaving this woman's house, Renee Zellweger, and I'm blinking you'll miss it, first yeah. appearance <laughs> on film. We're like, get the binoculars out. Is that Renee Zellweger? Well, I didn't know she was in it. like, Or, or maybe I did. I don't know. But I, like, she was just there. And then I was like, oh, is that Renee Zellweger? She's so baby. She's such a baby. She is such a baby. You got to watch um, Empire Records. Is she still a baby? Oh, yeah. That was the year after this. Ah. She's such a baby. Janine Garofalo. Vicky has a boy leave her bedroom and we see that she's got a diary of list of all the people she has slept with the date and the name and the number which she's up to 66 66 number 66 at least she's proactive yeah well proactive in the way that because she is having a lot of sex she is keeping track of when it happened when it happened who it happened with and like a number of which because mm-hmm. like then she can go back if anything mm-hmm. is to happen like pregnancy who it was she can stis sti yeah she's very proactive for her sexual well-being yes which is a great representation 
yeah. of that, especially during the 90s where it was the, the HIV AIDS was finally being realized that it wasn't just a, a gay disease in quotation marks, that it was heterosexual problem just as much as it was a homosexual problem. So mm-hmm. it's good that she was very proactive. John Mahoney <laughs> has a talk show. Good morning, Grant. I wanted him to stay throughout the entire movie. Oh, yeah. He was barely in it, too. I know. I just, I wanted him to be, like, the foil. I knew you were going to say the foil. Yeah, I just want, I, it, it would have made me feel better, like, how he's stuck on this talk show and, like, he settled for things and teach her not to just settle. Mm, man, you're just yeah. rewriting this movie. <laughs> in my so, mind. It's so good. I like this. Take notes. <laughs> okay. We're gonna. We have a new movie coming out next year. <laughs> <laughs> Reality bites too. The <laughs> millennial version. <laughs> Reality bites harder. Reality bites. <laughs> Reality bites back. <laughs> electric, electric boogaloo. <laughs> I like it. So yeah, he's he's the host of this talk show, and Winona Lilani is a PA on it, and she messes up. She forgets to put out his coffee cup or whatever. Oh, that would not be her job. Get props department on that. Jeez. Yeah, he's she's more like his PA, like his personal assistant. Yeah, it's still not her job. I mean, I don't know what it was like in the 90s, but now yeah. that wouldn't be her job. Yeah, now none of that would be her job. Yeah. None of that. She would just be like holding his shoes for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And have his cell phone. Yeah, just carry his cell phone. So she messes up and gets scolded a bit. And she gets yelled at by, I think, the floor manager being like, oh, no, she doesn't. John Mahoney, the host, yells at her. Yeah. Says that he can replace her with an unpaid, like, intern just like that. So she better straighten up. Which is when that whole issue started. Mm, We can all be replaced by unpaid interns. (laughs) Could, but same time. They don't know how to push the buttons correctly in the Avid. Nope. We're at the Gap. Vicky works at the Gap. And uh, when Nona's visiting her, she's like picking her up because they're going driving after. She wants to complain about her horrible job as a PA. Yeah. And I love that they're driving and listening to music, which is one of my favorite things to do of all time. Because that's what I did in high school. That's like the only thing that we could do in a small, tiny town. Yeah. And... It's so calming now. Like when I'm really upset, it's what I just, I just go drive like somewhere and listen to music, like my angry music, mm. turn on my real bad, uh, my real big fish and I hate yeah. you. Fuck you. Leave me alone. Love you it. Got your angry mix. Oh yeah. I've got some pink <laughs> real big fish. I hate you. Fuck you. Leave me alone. Love that song. That song just makes me happy now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alanis. I got some Alanis. <laughs> just like your mom. Just like I'm sorry. Like I hated it when I was younger, but now I'm just like I could get down to this. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Our parents are cool. Sometimes. So they're driving. We meet Ben Stiller, who's also driving. He's got a car phone. And he's trying to read a map at the same time. Yeah. He's multitasking. He's what the kids in the nineties called a yuppie. Yes. He's the yuppie. So their cars are right next to each other. And Winona like 
flicks her cigarette and it lands in Ben Stiller's car, like on an open CD case, and it starts burning the paper inside of it. Yeah. So when he starts driving, all of a sudden he has a car. Uh, he has a he has a fire in his car, and then he's like, whoa, 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 and he crashes into their car. He hits the end of their car. It's a slight little. It's a fender bender. Yeah. Which, how is he going to sue? Because the next scene, he says that he's going to sue her. How the hell? How can you sue somebody when you're the one who caused the accident? Because he rear-ended her in a fact. Like, he sideswiped her. That's true. So that's his fault. Yeah. Yeah, they discuss all the legal things, and they're both like, well, I've never done this before. I don't know. I'm a baby. Grown-ups have lawyers. My lawyer person friend thing. But he says forget the whole thing. Yeah. And she breaks his Dr. Zayas collectible that she's been fiddling with on his desk. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. That's a Simpsons reference. Um, we have our we have our meet cute because they they get all doe eyed over how clumsy she is. <laughs> I didn't get it that they were going to like date after that. I was just like, if this happened like today, that he would be such a nerd and would be so pissed. They were they were doe eyed over each other. A li- like a little bit. I just Again, I'm putting my modern day twist on it where like that would be some Comic-Con nerd. It'd be like irreplaceable and he would be livid. <laughs> well, okay, so this next scene, Troy is moving in against Winona's wishes because he's But they're best friends, so why does it matter? It's cause or did they have a falling out or something? I don't know. That's what I didn't understand. I was just like, did they... This is where I was still under the impression that they were boyfriend and girlfriend and he broke up with her or something. And that was the whole Renee Zellweger yeah. scene. Well, she's against him moving in because he doesn't have a job, I think. It's just, she's just like, how are you going to pay? He's a band called Hey, That's My Bike. Good job. <laughs> hey, That's My Bike like dude where's my car yeah that's what i think of (laughs) it's horrible because that's not in any way existential he's like supposed to be what he's like supposed to be an existential like he's one of those beat singer yeah guys who have just graduated they've got their degree in philosophy they think they know everything he smokes a lot and he's got a band yeah. Doesn't really have any motivation for anything else in life. And he's anti-establishment. If he's so anti-establishment, why did he go to college? <laughs> I mean, there's a whole thing with his character that I'm just like, you are, you're emotionally abusive because you don't want to, you don't understand emotions, but yet you pretend like you understand everybody else's emotions. And you say these things because you think that they make you sound cooler than you you are you they make you sound as cool as you want to be but you don't really understand what they mean yeah like being anti-establishment means that you wouldn't have had a job at an office building you wouldn't have worked for a newsstand because that's supporting the major media you wouldn't have done a lot of these other things that you did Mm -hmm. it's just it, it was just like he was saying it as an excuse not to do anything yeah also, in this part of the movie, they kept on saying a lot of slogans, like TV slogans, because they were aware, like, oh, the baby boomers are selling us all this crap, mm-hmm. and 
with all these slogans and this is supposed to be our lives. They're selling our lives to us. So we're just going to vomit it out back to them. Ironically, they loved being ironic, <laughs> but not be like it was again, they, they tow that line of not really understanding like what that actually means. They have not lived life. Yeah, no. And I think that's what the, again, it's a, it's a theme that a, the movie was really trying to touch on, but it just, they didn't hit a home run with it. They, they like, they got it slightly in the field. <laughs> That's the only baseball thing I understand. Baseball. <laughs> baseball metaphors from Ashley. When Nona films Troy in the kitchen, he's probably saying some more existential crap. When Nona's working with angry Mahoney, uh, and then the roommates are getting high. Uh, they lit as fuck. Vicky has just been promoted to manager of the Gap, so they're celebrating. <laughs> and she's super excited. Like, I think that really, like, well, I was like, Vicky, you are a good character. Like, you're taking this as an opportunity, like, to learn about life and, you know, do do your own thing. Like, I don't know what her main goal was in life, but she at least was taking advantage of the position that she had. Mm-hmm. And working really well at it. And it's just like, Winona, why can't you be like her? Why can't she be our main character? Like, I really wanted to know more about Vicky. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vicky's storyline completely trailed off. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and she was such an independent... Like, she paid her rent. She was proactive about her sex life. She just was such a good female role model that I was just like, oh, I want... Just come back. Come back. Like, don't be, you're not in an abusive relationship. You know, like, what you want out of relationships. And you're doing your thing. Like, ah, why? Yeah. Like, again, seeing her in compare, like, seeing Renona Ryder's character comparison into, compared to that, it, it was just like that whole thing in my mind of just not being able to connect to her character. She's just whiny. I'm not going to say I didn't like the movie. Okay. I will preface that. I liked the movie and I like that it has the, the, that we can have these conversations because of this movie. I just found her character annoying. (laughs) So uh, Michael calls, I think they set up a date kind of thing. So then after that, like the high people are like, we're hungry. (laughs) We want pizza. And so Winona takes the gas credit card, goes to the gas station and, and rings up. A whole bunch of snack foods. Yes. And we get the My, My Sharona. Sharona scene. That's how I remembered um, the name of one of the Egyptian pharaohs that uh, had one of the pyramids made. It was the smallest pyramid. His name was My Serenus. <laughs> They're dancing in the, in the gas station. My Sharona. I like that scene. But it's a little bit of like, what are we doing? But I like it. But what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, they're just stoned dancing to music. Yeah. It didn't progress. Like, it just was, again, showing the time and the place and what it was all about. And, like, how disjointed with life Troy was. Because he wasn't in on that whole dancing thing. But Sammy and... Um, Vicky. Vicky were dancing with... Uh, Lelena. Lelena. So it was just so nice to have like that, that connection of like friendship and like, oh, we can be happy about this, the song being on the radio kind of thing. And then he's just all doom and gloom 
smirking and at the cash register person. Then we have the date with Lelena and Michael. He says, you're very beautiful. And, and she talks about the big gulp. Yeah. Product placement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big gulp. They're listening to music in the car. And Frampton. It's that one song. The one song that I know by, what is his name? Michael Frampton? Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton. Ooh, baby, I love you with. Yep. That song. That one song that we all know. <laughs> oh, he's convincing her he's not materialistic. Because this is like an important thing. Because he's a yuppie. But he's not materialistic. He doesn't care about the car. Which what? Ex- the suit. Explain the whole yuppie thing to me. Because I still don't know if I quite... Is it just like a sellout? Is that like the comparison? Yeah. It's kind of like... Oh, Okay, okay. You know, in Pretty in Pink, they had the Richies mm-hmm. and then the punk kids. Mm-hmm. That in the 90s was like the Richies were the yuppies. They had like their yachts and whatever. Gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense. Because I'm like, what is that? What does that mean? Like comparing to like my wor- worldview as a tiny child, like growing up, like I never understood what was so bad about uh, yuppies and, and what they like, were the yuppies went to starbucks and those were those people but then like the other people would be like mike myers and so i married an ex-murderer going to the actual coffee shop or yeah. the hippies or not the hippies the hipsters going to intelligentsia yeah I gotcha yeah but anyway moving on but yeah he's like I, I don't care he's i feel like he's supposed to be like blaine in this scenario i liked him way more than blaine yeah I felt like he was... How come all of our movies come back to Pretty in Pink? I don't know. Cause didn't we say it was like not that influential? Um, or I said that? Well, I think because it's like that that first time where we had like a real love triangle. Yeah, and I feel like we're coming up against that a lot where it's the love triangle where it's between somebody who has money and somebody who has artistic ideals. Yeah. I just I never got like the feeling that he was strictly about like money or or anything like that. He just felt like a genuine nice yeah guy. Yeah, I I said that after he watched it. I was like, yeah, if this came out today, she would end up with the Ben Stiller character <laughs> because he was just he wasn't even like blah or boring. Like they felt like I felt like their chemistry was nice together. They like genuinely enjoyed talking to one another. It's like that's like a relationship that is positive and sought after today because we have so much of the emotional abusive relationships and that's how because of all of the media being like men have to be this certain like aggressive way and so our boys learn that that's how they're supposed to love and it's not necessarily good because they don't have a very good positive role model in their parents and and maybe even grandparents in certain aspects Oh, he was talking about how when he was younger, he wanted to be an, uh, an astronomer. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to look up at the stars. And then they remember the moments of being happy. And then they then they start kissing. And then they really start kissing. They have a little hot makeout session in the back of the car. Oh, yeah. Then Troy walks by and he's all like snooty faced. Yeah. So when she goes in the house, Troy is mad. How do you justify dating a yuppie? And she says, be a man. Be a man enough to talk to me about what's really going on. And he goes, he holds her face and he goes, I am really 
in love with you. He holds her face very awkwardly. I like get your face. Like he didn't like gently caress her face. He like had his palms like aggressively against her cheeks, but then his fingers were pointing outwards. <laughs> so like he was just like doing one of these. And mm-hmm. it was just like, what are you doing? Like that's so like not that's not sensual or it's weird. Like you're just making making joke. I'm making a joke out of emotions. Like genuine That's what he was doing because he laughed yeah. at it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I just didn't I don't I don't mm. So he's a big jerk. He's a real big jerk because he's like, I love you. <laughs> Is that what you wanted to hear? <laughs> You're pathetic. You're pathetic. I don't know. Then they fight. Um, and she storms off. Yeah. So let's see. Documentary footage. She's showing the documentary. This is when she's showing the documentary footage to the producer of the Good Morning Show and uh, John Mahoney. Yeah. So we see Vicky at the Gap saying i think i was conceived on an acid trip and enjoy talking about his dad and how life is random and pointless because his dad has cancer mm-hmm. um and then we see vicky going to the free clinic to get an aids test and you know vicky waiting to get tested uh, but then that's where they stop the video and grant completely rejects the video and says no this would never work on our show it's not light we need light happy happy things this is this is crap and so like they excuse her and they talk about her and she can hear them saying like why didn't you just fire her yeah the producer really likes her the producer Mm -hmm. really wants to like use the footage but i guess grant has like final he probably has like a executive producer credit or something on his show so then it's showtime and lelena gets her revenge because he said some really horrible things about her how he wants to replace her blah 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 so she messes up his cue cards and makes him look like a perv live on air. Which, why didn't you, like, look at them before? <laughs> he only reads what's in front of him. They don't do um, card readings, apparently. They don't do card rehearsal. So he's, like, the true definition of a meat puppet. Mm-hmm. So she gets home. She calls a family meeting uh, because she's fired. ha <laughs> And nobody, like, genuinely, like, stops to, like, listen to her at first. But then when she says that, everybody's, like, <gasps> taken aback. Because she's, like, the main income to the yeah. house. There's yeah. four people who, like, live there. Well, and, and that's when Vicky offers her a part-time job at The Gap because she's looking for somebody and she's the manager now. And she's, like, oh, that'd be great. We could work together and, you know, I can help you out. I'm like, dude, Vicky's like an awesome friend. Mm-hmm. Like, good for you, Vicky. And then she's like, no, but that's not in my chosen field. Yeah, she like insults her. Yeah. She's like, uh, I'm not working at the Gap. Yeah. And so Vicky's like, uh, excuse you? Yeah. <laughs> I work at the Gap. And it's not like there's anything wrong with that. It's just like, again, a stepping stone to get you through this particular moment in your life. Yeah. So then Troy takes Lelena on a walk to cheer her up and talks about how he's been fired from 12 jobs. And, you know, we talk a little bit about the commercialism of life and blah, 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 more of that in there. But then he gives her a big kiss like he like tries to swallow her head. (laughs) Yeah. Is this when he sucks on her chin? He that's how he kisses. But this is the one where he was like. (laughs) 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 <laughs> he like invaded 
Like he was a like a, a fish. Yeah. He definitely took over her entire jaw. Yeah. <laughs> Which is cool, you but know. This is how Ethan Hawk kisses. We'll see. That is not like how he kisses in other movies. Oh, it's not? I don't know. I, I found don't. him sexy in other movies. In this movie, I was just appalled. Maybe he's a bit aggressive. Give his, him. Yeah, I guess his character is supposed to be mostly pure, raw aggression. Yeah, he's a wild, untamed artist. <laughs> but she, okay, so she like <laughs> detaches him from her face. Yeah, <laughs> like places his head off of her face there and settles it back on his body. Yeah, she's just, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, what, does that have to do with Michael? And she's like, no, no, uh, yes, maybe. That's my Winona impression. <laughs> was a good Winona. <laughs> and scene. Thank you. <laughs> Documentary footage, Lelena talks about her parents' divorce. Vicky just wants, like, her first kisses and passion. She doesn't want to get married. She says she just always likes that beginning stuff. She doesn't like the later gross commitment crap (laughs) which you're fine you are in your early 20s honey you are perfectly fine to feel that way yeah so she's with michael that's what she was showing the footage to michael and he wants to take her doc for his channel he works at what is it in your face tv it's like mt it's like a knockoff of mtv it's mtv yeah (laughs) he's like oh man this is so great your documentary is so perfect i gotta take it and i'm gonna pitch it to the network execs in new york and she's like no I don't, I, it's not how I see my art right now. <laughs> well, I like how she's like, I just didn't really want to think about where it ended up in the beginning because I didn't want the commercialism to influence. She doesn't want to be commercialized. See, we're getting that a lot again. Which is like totally different mindset from today. Oh, yeah. That's why I said it couldn't be made today at all. Everything, everything is commercialized. We have like in sports, right? Like this half is brought to you by Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing on TV could exist without being brought to you by. Uh, well, even it still couldn't have then. Yes. Yes. But nowadays. Well, th- what I'm saying is like nowadays, most most people who set out to make something actually do envision where they think it's going to go. Yeah. Like they, they want people to see it. It's not, oh, I'm just going to make it to make it anymore. Yeah. But now I was watching Bones. And they're in a car, and the guy's like, in the middle of a scene, oh, is this your new car? Oh, yeah, it's a such-and-such Ford. It's got this rear camera. Yeah, and he's showing off the navigation system. I remember that scene. That was so weird. There was something, oh, there was another show, when they're just, like, running to escape somebody, and he's like, get in my Fiat. (laughs) (laughs) In the way that our economy is, or in the way that the job market is, I can't be angry about it. Like, I can't fault somebody for being a quote-unquote sellout yeah or anything like i can't do it oh yeah well the 90s were all about hating the sellout yeah i know it's (laughs) just like from from the 90s standpoints you could you had the ability to have that choice and to to have that privilege of being able to choose to do that that's where you get that millennial divide from yes i'm sure that's it's that choice yeah it's it's a heavy it's a heavy film no, and I'm really happy we watched it because, like I said, I'm not mad about the movie. I, I am mad that we don't exist in that same time period and we don't have that same privilege. But at the same time, it's like we really need to have these conversations. We really need to be able to look at our history of where this all came from and why maybe 
the generation before the millennial generation aren't buying diamonds or houses or cars or, or anything like that or quote unquote adding to the economy because, you know, they never had to experience what what our generation has to experience or even what generation X had to experience. But they they did yeah. have because generation X are the ones with the housing bubble. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that had the houses mm-hmm. or were getting the houses that so were getting the houses like crazy yeah they're the ones who got the that those they're the ones who bought the subprime mortgages yes because they didn't know and that like that's another thing is is that we are we're failing our parent like not necessarily our parents but our parents failed us because they didn't know like how could they have known Mm -hmm. like nobody really explained that to you everybody like and you're going to people who you're supposedly trusting, but yet now it's become this weird thing where they're trying to make all this money off of you and there's hedge fund lenders and, and all that weird trading aspect of it that I don't quite understand because I don't approve of it. Um, but it's, again, like you spend all this money on college and, and like Vicky says in the beginning is the only thing that she feels like she learned at college was her social security number. <laughs> and it's like... I think back on it and I'm like, I didn't learn really anything in school about that would actually like help me in life. I didn't know how to write a check. I went to a seminar about empowering girls and they taught me how to write a check. And that was when I was 13 years old and I didn't know how to, I I didn't understand balancing checkbooks, which is why I don't keep like a, balance checkbook thing i just look on the, the app on my phone yeah you don't need it anymore but we have but robots I, for that but i feel like it would be important to know that like or would have been important for so that i could understand and could be better in college so that i could be more financially aware of the huge amount of loans that i was taking out and just how loan refunds affect me mm. like I could have taken those refunds instead of using them to pay for um like a computer or something like that I could have re put that back into and paid off part of the loan yeah it's something that is started to be a conversation in the 90s like they started to talk about it with this movie about having a loan lender coming after you all the time or having to pay these exorbitant bills or having to have the technology all around you or, or, or something something similar to that. Again, I wish it would have explored some of these themes a little bit better. Like, I don't think this movie benefited from being a romantic comedy. I think it would have been better if it was an ensemble drama piece about growing up in the night, like being a 90s kid. Rent, 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 rent. It, it, it becomes this interesting period piece with like in between a period of things i love how you call this movie a period piece because it is it is (laughs) because we're just that old now it could have been so much more than what it was had they not focused on the romantic aspect of it because it didn't necessarily need that storyline yeah that's why he said like the first half of this movie was really heavy and then the second half was really light and it was just complete, like completely polar opposite. Like there was no connection, yeah, between the two. Right. Like, it was forget just like, these storylines. <laughs> it's like we don't want to talk about AIDS anymore. We don't want to talk about the underlying issues of like student loans and college and 
commercialism, but let's but make these two people kiss. Kiss, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fandom or, or fan fiction. Yeah, I'll kiss. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to this movie. Um, there's a good part coming up. Uh, Elena has job interviews. First, she interviews to be a PA for this gross, gross show. Like, it, piracy? Andy Dick is pirating? Yeah, with <laughs> motorcycles and half-naked chicks. Random, know. unrecognizable brunette, yeah. Andy Dick. <laughs> I was like, really? Okay. It was in the eyes. That's yeah. how I got it. But, um, yeah. She interviews for this radio show, but she's overqualified for that. Then she interviews... For, for a newspaper. newspaper, which she has no experience for at all. It's Not just even, journalistic. She can't even get their coffee because she doesn't have a journalism degree. Yeah. Then she... Which now they want journalism degree and then five years of experience at a local newspaper. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Don't go down that road. I'm sorry. I'm the pessimist, remember? <laughs> so she goes into this diner and she sees Troy there. He hasn't been home for days and she's like where were you and he's all aloof so he just leaves it was weird I, I didn't understand this scene or why like because she was like okay I've made my boundaries known like I'm okay but we're still friends kind of yeah. thing and then he was just like a dick yeah and didn't want to didn't want to try anything yeah he's got some serious like inner turmoils that he's not expressing properly he likes her. We know that he likes her, but yes. it's like he's doing the whole push away, be mean thing instead of like, because he like, I don't know. He did his interpretation is, of trying and now he's like, you're friend zoning me. Yeah, it's like the lesson, uh, like if he picks on you on the playground, then that means that he likes you. And teaching that to girls is the worst thing ever because that just perpetuates abuse. Yes. And no, no. I love how anti-abuse you're on the show. He really bought, like, his character really bothered me. Like, I was just like, I understand your father has cancer. I understand, like, he has imparted some really shitty things to you and that he left you and, and all of that stuff. But at the same time, that does not give you the right to, to be as emotionally abusive as you are, not only to yourself, but to other people. Like, he, he was just a character who went around harming people in his life and then was able to get away with it. I feel like he didn't change in the end. I, I really don't feel... I feel like he was rewarded for his horribleness. And that, that really bothered me just because, like, he reminded me so much of my ex-boyfriend and I just wanted to punch him. <laughs> okay. So, Lelena goes to her mom for a loan and her mom says, Swallow your pride. <laughs> Go work, go go get a job at a fast food place. You could do that. So That's what I said for she uh, turned down the gap job. Yeah. So she interviews at the Wiener Dude with a... I thought it was Wiener Schnitzel. It was a knockoff. It was Wiener oh, Dude. Oh, okay, okay. With David Spade. With David Spade. And she fails at that, too. <laughs> She's just a horrible interviewer. Yeah. Or yeah. interviewee. She can't interview well. That's well, she's she's too desperate. She didn't learn those tactics in college. Well, I mean, who who does? Again, things that college should teach us. Or high school. Actually, I think high school would be better. Yeah. She calls Michael, but he's not there. So she parks herself in front of the TV, and she calls a psychic TV psychic hotline. She spends like two days on the phone. Yeah. 
Oh, I just kind of love that she developed this relationship with the psychic and in turn was helping the psychic yeah. with her relationship <laughs> problems. I was like, oh, that's nice. Too bad it's costing you $400. Yeah. But it's nice that she just like needed a friend. <laughs> Which she was too unemo- like emotionally unavailable to reach out to her actual friends. Actual friends. Well, it's like the whole therapist Mm-hmm. thing where you you can talk to your therapist sometimes more so than you can talk to your friends because they have no emotional stock yeah in it she gets in trouble with her roommates now yeah because she racks up a 400 dollar 407 dollar phone bill they have an argument they have an argument about how it's her apartment and that she let them stay when they were jobless so why couldn't they support her with her being jobless and all this self-entitled pity cranky yeah um she meets with her dad this time and he says that she has well not specifically her but her entire generation has no work ethic which isn't that what they say about the millennials so everybody says about everybody else so she ends up stealing from him pretty much because he he asks her to thrill him or what what is she I don't remember what he said, but it was just like, show me something, show me something worthwhile or, or something that you, you can do. Prove to me that you do have a work ethic or that you, you can come up with, with uh, ways to survive on your own. Yeah. So she uses his gas credit card. She like, per- she becomes this gas attendant. At a self, like at a self-serve gas station that doesn't have a gas attendant. Yeah. She. I think this is what she does. Mm-hmm. She has him. She pumps the gas for them and has them pay her cash, and then she uses her credit card? Yep. So it's like she's withdrawing the money from her dad. Yeah. Without actually buying anything. Yes. But technically buying gas. She's committing fraud. Yes. (laughs) She's stealing. Yes. Troy comes home with the woman... So they get in an argument. He, she yells at him saying like, you can't stay here because he's not paying the rent. And also she's mad at him. <laughs> they just keep using rent and other things as a way to be like, I'm mad for you not loving me. <laughs> um, Again, so, which is not a healthy relationship. Yeah. So he yells back and that he won't ever work. And how's your little gas scam going? You know, <laughs> and he's just going to be his artist type and just deal with it. So she goes out instead with, Vicky, they've I guess they've made up now. They've bonded. Yeah, Vicky's like, do you ever wish that you were a lesbian? Do you think it would solve it all? <laughs> nope. It's probably just as hard. Vicky, um, we've got a little emotional moment with her where she says she's totally alone and dealing with the possibility of living with AIDS. Yeah, she just thinks all day as she's working that she's just dying from AIDS. Again, a legitimate fe- fear that I wish was explored more. Yeah. So then Michael calls. He says, they really want to buy your documentary. And he gets so excited that he says, I love you. On accident. <laughs> On accident. So like this point, I wrote down like reality TV because he's like, oh, man, these people want to buy it. They want to try this real TV kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is where reality TV started. It started. So then I guess there's the, the big neg. Um, so yeah, there's this kind of mock coming out between Vicky and, and um, Sammy. He's just doing like a little rehearsal, a little practice. Because yeah. he's going to come out to his mom. They pretend that it goes well. Yeah. And it, unfortunately... It does not. It does not. 
Yeah, it's really sad moment because he's just like. It's really sad and emotional, and the whole scene, like, where he's like explaining it afterwards, is just completely ignored. Yeah, it gets tossed. It just like stops tape, and they like cut away from it. I was like, well, what happened? Yeah, it's like again, Winona is way more involved in her own personal shit to deal with these really big important issues in the her friends lives she's selfish that's what she is that's why it she bothers me yeah michael shows up at the apartment troy is there it's awkward there's some fighting with troy and she's got the outfit and the whole like you don't know what she needs they're all like displaying penises yeah they're kind of stancing yeah. all over the place <laughs> yeah and they're like i have the bigger penis you don't have a little you have a little penis look at your hands <laughs> yeah so they go to in your face tv and yeah he said they're gonna do some real programming yeah real it's pretty much the real world so like he hasn't seen the tape she doesn't know what happened to her footage he's just like oh yeah they just put titles on it whatever just spruced it up a little bit we have our best guys working on it yeah it's like exactly like the real world but like hammier (laughs) yeah they like completely undercut every emotional beat of the the movie yeah and they re-edit them to say other things yes which is what happens in yep. reality TV. That is exactly reality <laughs> TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it just makes them seem like really dumb, immature teenagers. Like, they're like, oh, what's the meaning of life? Oh, pizza, pizza. You know, they pizza, made them yeah. say that. Because all the while, the things that we've been saying and seeing are what they've re-edited. So we've seen the raw footage. Yes. And now we've seen what the edit is. And we see how powerful editing is. Yes. How it can completely just change the way a person looks. Which I tell everybody who talks about how awesome reality TV is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not real. It's not what it seems. They are playing characters of themselves. They, Mm -hmm. it's highly edited. There's this thing called Frankenbiting, which is where you can actually completely change a word or phrase or even create entire sentences Mm -hmm. out of just things that they have said. So they could say something that they actually have never said before. And it's kind of scary. Yeah. It's a lot of power to have, which is, again, probably why I can't do reality TV. Yeah, I don't really trust much of what I see on television. Never. You should never trust reality. Though we should all watch Unreal because it actually is the scripted version of behind the scenes reality TV. Mm. Anyway, continue. So these anti-commercialized people have been commercialized now yes to look like buffoons yeah so she's mortified she goes out of there and she's fighting with michael who's also like i didn't know this would happen which you have to give him a little bit of credit for because reality tv was not a thing yeah and he probably didn't know he probably honestly didn't know what editing what a lot of people don't know what editors do yeah and he genuinely loved her footage yeah and he genuinely loved like I'm not going to necessarily say loved her, but he genuinely cared for her. And like, again, he was just a genuine person and like, don't understand. Ben Siller just got shit on for no reason. He was a genuine person. (laughs) What a yuppie being genuine and honest. Like, ugh. 
Nobody wants that. I want the cool guy with the band. <sighs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lelena ditches him, goes home, Troy comes in. I love this shot of it. I love that the wide shots and then they have like reverse wide shots and then they like come together in the middle of the room to mm-hmm. be close ups. I really liked the, the filming of this scene. No, there was some really good. Um, the shot where she's overhearing uh, the producer and uh, John Mahoney talk where you can see John Mahoney in the mirror and she's just standing next to the mirror and then the door is slightly cracked open. It's I loved that shot. Mm hmm. There's some really good... Good job, Ben Stiller. Props to the cinematographer. Yes. Um. So, yeah, she's just like, I worked so hard. I just wanted to be something. And then, like... I was supposed to be something by the age of 23. Troy is like, oh, I knew some blah, blah, blah. I love... I love her. I love... Yeah, I love... I love... That girl. That, that girl. So they hug and kiss. So, yeah, they're having sexy times. It's very close up of their face, sexy time variety. It's a really kind of it's indie s- film. It's yeah, it's indie. It's indie film sex scene. Yeah, but it's it's very sensual. I've wanted to see you like this for I've, all these years. Yeah, I've wanted this moment, or I wanted to share this with you for like all these all years. of these years. She says, "So have I." Yes, it's whis- That's why I called it whisper <laughs> time with um Ethan Hawke because <laughs> he's a whisper. So the next morning he wakes up and he is out the door in a flash. I called it. I got to go to band rehearsal. Uh, at 8.20 in the morning? Yeah. Bye. <laughs> We're playing tonight. Bye. Yeah. So then we go actually to the band performing. Uh, the show. Elena shows up. Michael shows up. Vicky's already there. Steve Zahn's already there. You know what I really appreciated about this segment? She was in normal people clothes. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't just like gussy her up or whatever. She was just in jeans and a t-shirt. Like they don't do that anymore. Her her makeup for that sex scene was amazing. Yeah. Like when they're talking and stuff, she had this great like winged eye. Yeah. I was like, damn, makeup on point. But then they have sex. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I really appreciate that that aspect of just the film in general is that they it was normal clothing yep it wasn't like anything like today where it's like we've got designer dresses and designer clothes and designer jeans that are worth like five hundred dollars that no one can buy and it's never just a jeans and a t-shirt and something that you could buy at target yeah or the gap or the gap (laughs) like yeah it was all like that and i really appreciated that no yeah you definitely look at the costuming and be like people actually wore this these are probably real people's clothes (laughs) she could have come to set like that like wearing that today yeah which i know happens a lot in indie films still but it's just like i really appreciate like feeling represented no yeah it's anything you see on tv now yeah is not like that and it just makes you it's one of the things that makes you feel bad Mm -hmm. and then going back and being like oh this is this makes me nice yeah yeah michael shows up and he's like i screwed up i'm really sorry i deserve another shot but then like troy like pops over (laughs) did he say he deserved another shot yeah Oh, because I didn't get that vibe from him, like, at all. Like, he was just, try- like, asking for another shot. If he said, I deserve another shot, that kind of makes him a little douchey. 
Troy pops over. Like, yeah. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, I'm going to get in the middle of this. Guess who I just slept with? <laughs> like, that was the vibe. No, so he was very. He was hey dancing girl. again. He was like, who's got the bigger penis now? Yeah. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> he did like that chin, that uh, chin thing. Sup. 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 Oh, hey. yeah. Hey. Um, so they Hi. talk. <laughs> they both have another cock fight. Oh, yeah. But then, like, Lelena drags Troy over to the to the side. Where they have a bitch fight. Yeah. And he's like, I panicked. I never had sex with anyone I loved before. And she's like, welcome to maturity. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is where Michael lives. And he's like. Rah, 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 rah. So they fight about that. You know what? She shouldn't have ended up with either of them. I think that would have been a better movie ending. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to last. No. No. They'll maybe get through like six months tops. Yeah. Even though they were alluding to the fact that they were like moving together or moved in together or something weird. Yeah. Troy's going to go back on stage because his band's playing. And so he sings this song to Lelena. About making love. Yeah. He's like, this is for Lelena. Why can't I just have one more screw or one more kit or one kiss or one screw or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it, it was abusive. Oh, yeah. So she bails and then Troy bails on the stage of Michael and they all go outside and they can't find her. So, so then they have a... They have words. Man words. Yeah, Ben Siller just like, oh, I'm not Troy. I'm not cool like you. Oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, but you're going to be... Da, 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 da. And then... Troy's like, well, we're just going to all die alone anyway. And then Ben Stiller's like, well, what'd you come out here then for? Yeah, if you really believe that, then what are you out here looking for? Yeah. Oh, ben Stiller. <laughs> He's like Keanu Reeves. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's nowhere near as bad as Keanu. Yeah. With the, the hand gestures. Then what are you doing here? You look like a marionette. <laughs> <laughs> this is my Ben Stiller impression. <laughs> You look like you have strings attached. <laughs> what? I'm not cool like you, Troy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, then he, like, storms off after Ben Stiller, like, says his piece. Oh, flight. Yeah. <laughs> ben Stiller throws the flight, ta- like, the plane tickets into the puddle because he had bought plane tickets to go to New York and, like... Yeah, they were going to pitch her series as her... As a documentary. Yeah. Yeah. He was going to make it all right. To PBS. But that ship has sailed and he's gone now. Yeah. And so then they do this weird transition to the airport. Mm-hmm. And it's Troy getting on a plane. Yeah. And he's all sad and mopey. Yeah. And then we get a montage of both of them being all sad and mopey. Lelena, she's like finding his underwear and stuff. And like he's like calling her but not talking. From a hospital. Yeah. So then there's this scene where Lelena goes to the, the to the diner and she meets Sammy and Sammy's like, oh, this is my new boyfriend, new boyfriend over here. And she's just like, yeah, great. Whatever. Where's Troy? Yeah. That's that was so like. mean. It, it wasn't said so much in words, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. I was like, hey, 
hey, this guy just... Because in his little speech, he's like, I feel like I haven't been able to date or be really true to myself, you know, until I've been able to really be out, out, you know? And he was... He came out and it was at such an emotional cost. Yeah. And then she just, like, is like, fuck you and your emotional needs. Where are mine? Yeah, his mom <laughs> wouldn't let him back in the house. He doesn't have a relationship with his mom anymore. Yeah, they're, re- they're it just completely... He, she, he's been cut off. Yeah, so now he's got a boyfriend for the first time, and she's just like, where's Troy? <laughs> <laughs> like, damn! Like, no, I can't deal with your emotional relationship right now. I, I, uh, uh, I just, I need to know where he is and if he's okay. Uh, is he okay? Winona. Uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, Hi. Um. So she's so. Tr- Sammy's just like fuck you. No, <laughs> he should have been. Sammy is like he's in Chicago. So she's like in her house packing up her bags. There's a cab there. She misses the cab and then she goes out with her bag. But Troy is there and he's in a suit and his dad died. Just came from the funeral. Funeral. Yeah. He me. says, "I had a glimpse of the universe, and I've got this planet of regret." On my shoulder. On my shoulders. Like he pointed to his stomach. I know. He said, on my shoulders. <laughs> I love you. He said, where were you going? To fight you. you. So then they hug and kiss. And then there's credits and commercials. And then there's this um, commercialized reality show version of them. It's a scripted scene, like, parodying their relationship, yeah. which I loved. I did yeah. so much. And then we get Lisa Loeb in the credits. You say I only hear what I want to. Which, Which Ethan, apparently Ethan Hawke directed the music video. Yeah. Good for him. Um, that's the end of the movie. Yeah, it's like like I said at the beginning, like they didn't really learn or grow like significantly enough to wear I felt like their relationship was not going to be abusive. Yeah, I don't think they're staying together in the end. I want to play a game. Okay, play a game. We're going to play a new game. Well, it's kind of a game. I don't know. I call it the game portion of the show. I'm going to call this How's My Marketing. Ooh. Let's describe, because I missed it. We used to describe images from the movie. Remember we used to do this way back in the day? Yeah. We used to describe for our listeners the images. That Netflix used? Yeah. Well, I have the poster here for Reality Bites. It looks like a punk rock album cover. Mm. It's got this social commentary text in spray paint across the top with the three love triangle-es. Ben Stiller and Ethan Hawke are looking off to the uh, right hand of the frame. And Winona Ryder is all cutesily holding her... Her shoulder, her like, shoulder. oh, look at these spies. <laughs> they all uh, look happy, right? Yeah, they all look happy. Well, Ben Stiller doesn't look happy. <laughs> I like how, okay, so some of the words that are spray painted atop of their heads is movie poster. Oh, that one's my favorite. <laughs> Trust, jobs, channel surfing, love, hey, that's my bike, <laughs> communication, which is directly above, hey, that's my, like, oh, you need to take a... <laughs> Look at this, Ethan Hawke. Look at it. Let's look at it. Uh, relationships, buzzwords, cafe sex, 
credit cards. Is that infomercial message or is that subliminal? Oh, that's subliminal messaging. Oh, are there subliminal messages in this poster? Probably. Romance, decaf, cheese, food, goods. My favorite thing is movie poster. It looks like they're standing in an alley. Yeah. I like how in between them it says friends. And love. And romance. Yeah. I also like the tagline to this movie is a comedy about love in the 90s. Like it's really like peppy. (laughs) Was this a comedy though? Would you classify this as a comedy? I don't think so. It's too much of like an indie movie. I don't know why it says cafe i love it it says buzzwords yeah to me i'm like they look too happy for what they experienced in this movie that in this poster Mm -hmm. alludes to a horror movie today Mm -hmm. like if we had a poster like that it would be a horror movie especially which says jobs yeah (laughs) well that's this game are you ready to rate it oh we gotta rate this movie before we forget i'm going to rate this movie for dr zaya statues oh nice that's a good one I'm going to rate this movie two and a half infomercials. Wow. I think it's important. Is it a romantic comedy? Mm. To the genre? Eh. Yeah. I'd watch it again. I would definitely watch it again. So next week, we're going to stick with 1994 as our year. Um, we're going to be watching 1994's It Could Happen to You. Which is another one that we recently added to the list, correct? Yeah, it sounds like a horror movie. It does sound like a horror movie. It could happen to you. You could die. (laughs) So we have quite a bit of thank yous this week. Uh, But we'd like to thank Paula F., Sam, Mama and Papa General, Nicole K., Nick C., Jimmy, Valerie T., Leah, JB, Vincent Price's Laugh Twitter, so, I Married a Movie Geek podcast, Nessa Nilba, Critical Crop Top, and the Two Girls, One Film podcast. Thank you all for your tweets, Facebook messages, comments, whatever. Yeah. yeah. If you would like to be added to that list, there are many different things that you can do. You can listen and download our episodes at thecutaways.com. You can leave us comments, rate us, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and any other podcast software that you might use yep you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram as at cutaways podcast yeah you can leave us comments there on our website or on itunes or whatever talk send to us. us pictures via instagram that'd be cool <gasps> yeah i'd be down with that yeah, yeah. i'll post pictures of my puppy <gasps> yeah watching movies with us if you if you would like that just let us know yeah do you have anything else to say no, we've said a lot. We've said quite a bit. We've g- yeah, I like it. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you too. Okay, that's it for us. Thank you so much and have a great week. Bye! Bye.